Welcome to the Allentown Fellowship Church Podcast. Join us as we study God's Word book by book and then apply practical application to our lives. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Allentown Fellowship Church, our remote location, my living room. Hope and pray you guys are doing well and uh, excited for uh, opportunity to share God's word. Excited that uh, some of you are able to view and, um, you know, there's always these silver linings that I've been talking about. A lot of people have been talking about silver linings in light of all the things that are going on with the virus and all the restrictions and all the things that we can't do. It's so easy to think and to focus on all of those things um, and miss all the things that we can do. Um, all the privileges that we still do have. Um, here's one of the things that we can do. We can, because of technology, still get into God's Word, still communicate with our family and our friends. Um, let me encourage you, as everyone is probably reacting different ways to all that's going on, um, that you take time to look for the, the silver linings. Look for the things that God may be trying to teach you as a result of what's going on. From the Christian perspective, there's nothing that ever happens in our lives that just happens. And, and this is something that only a sovereign God can do, to take every situation that happens, and Romans 8.28 says, says that he uses it for your good, understanding that your good is to be conformed into the image of Christ. So even this, what's going on in our society now, with all the restrictions, jobs are being affected, people's um, weddings and funerals, and all kinds of things are being affected. To know that even these types of things, Romans 8.28 says God even uses these things for our good. And it, and it doesn't mean that the things that we go through necessarily are going to be easy. There are some people who have passed away because of this virus. Uh, it's not saying that the passing away of of, of someone is good, or that cancer, or that the loss of a loved one is good. It, it, that's not what it's teaching. It's teaching that all things work together for your good. And so keep that perspective. Um, I don't know how you're being affected. Uh, we're all being affected different ways. But just constantly ask yourself, God, how are you even using this to make me more like your son? Because that's the ultimate good, that we're conformed to his image. And then as the Apostle Paul says, one day we will see him. And one day we will be like him. So, encourage that you guys are here. Uh, praise God. And uh, we're going to continue in our study of the book of James. So, I encourage you to turn to James 3. And we're going to be picking it up at verse 13. Last week we were dealing with uh, the tongue. James was talking about how deadly our tongue can be. And um, as a believer, we ought to be able to control our tongues, to control the things that come out of our mouths, the way we speak to people. And James gave the example of how powerful the tongue is and how deadly the tongue can be because of the things that we say. I don't know how your tongue has been this week. Hopefully it's been tamed. James says it's one of the hardest things to tame. We can tame ferocious beasts, but... Taming our tongue is so hard. But remember also we talked about that it's not about just this physical thing called the tongue. 
It's about your heart. Because you say what's in your heart. And so the destruction that the tongue causes by what comes out of our mouth, that's stuff that's really coming out of our hearts. And so it's really a challenge to look at what's going on in your heart. Why did you say those things? Remember we said sometimes people will say, well, I didn't mean it. No, you did mean it. And until we take ownership of the destructive things that come out of our mouth, until we take ownership of it and not excuse it away, I'm sorry, I was tired, I was hungry, I really didn't mean it. Until you take ownership, there'll be no change. Because if you can explain it away, then you'll never really examine your heart and say, you know what, I said that to you because in that moment, I was very selfish, I was thinking about myself, and I didn't care about you. And that's something that we need to repent of and say, God, as David prayed, right? Created me a clean heart, reneweth in me the right spirit. So this book of James, as we've been saying, it's so practical. And, and, and really, James is simply saying, you say you have faith, live it out. You say you're a believer, live it out. Our lives should look different. One of the criticisms that a lot of times comes at Christians is, you say you're a believer, but look at the way you live. You, you, you say you know Christ, but I'm looking at how you respond to things in uh, your job or in your home. You say you're a believer, but your marriage is falling apart. You say you're a believer, but your teenagers are running all over the place and they have no respect for you. See, the non-believer looks at that and they, and they say, where is this Christian faith that you claim to have? Now, there's some truth in that criticism, guys. And this is what James is saying. You say you have faith, your life ought to look like it. Show me the works. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, though. So while there is some truth to that criticism that's laid at believers, there's also this idea that if you're a believer, you won't have struggles. And that's not true. And so when, when, when people look at and say, well, Pastor Ron, so-and-so said he's a believer, but he did this. Well, hold on a minute. That doesn't mean that all of Christianity is wrong. Because this guy's being a hypocrite. Okay, in that moment, that guy maybe was being a hypocrite. Does that mean that the, the, the death resurrection of Jesus Christ is no longer valid? Of course not. But yes, there ought to be a difference in our life. But even a believer is going to fall, is going to sin. So 1 John 1 says what? Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you. So while we may be criticized, because our lives don't reflect the Christ who we claim to know. If you're an unbeliever watching this, know that that's not an excuse for you to reject Christ. Because you know what? I'm not the standard. I didn't hang on a cross for you. Christ did. So yes, don't follow me. As a matter of fact, Paul said what? Don't follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. It doesn't negate the truth of God's word and who Jesus is even when I don't live it the way I ought to. See, that's the other side of the coin. But, as James is, is stressing here, the true believer's life, it should look different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you and changing you. Okay? So we're going to come to chapter 3, and James is going to deal with this issue of wisdom. He's going to contrast wisdom from God versus wisdom that is earthly or that is man-centered. So let's ask God's blessing as we jump into James 3.13. God, thank you 
for the opportunity to be able to get into your word. It is a privilege, Father, to study your word together. And I pray for those that are watching that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction to their hearts, that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction to all of our hearts that are here. Lord, we want to look like Christ in our life. God, I, I just don't want to say I'm a believer. I want to live it out. And I want people to see Christ in me, not me. So I pray that these truths would convict us and give us the wisdom, show us what we need to do to be more Christ-like. So Father, bless your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So let's take a look at what James says here. We're just going to look at verses 13 to 18 as he wraps up chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and look at this next word, demonic. He's talking to believers now. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Remember here in the context, James is dealing with some of these Jewish teachers that are in this church, that are quarreling, that are bickering, that are posturing for position, and no doubt their tongue was getting a lot of them in trouble, as we saw last week. Now he kind of takes that same topic of the tongue, but, but specifically begins to talk about our speech and our wisdom. And he challenges these believers. If you want to know what pure wisdom is, sound godly wisdom, I'm going to tell you what it is. Because evidently what they were demonstrating was not godly wisdom. It was all about them. So, so look at what he says. He, he puts forth the question, almost, I, I think, in a kind of ironic way or, or being a little sarcastic. Hey, guys, who is wise and understanding among you? I can imagine those Jewish teachers saying, oh, it's me, uh, me, Rabbi, right here, right here. Been to the school of, right? Here's my degrees. It's me. It's me. Excuse me. It's me. Really? You think you're wise? You think you have understanding? which these folk thought they did. Now look how he breaks it down. He says, listen, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Remember, this is not only instruction, but there is a subtle rebuke in what James is saying. You think you're wise? You think you have understanding? Again, right? Faith without works is dead. Demonstrate that you really do have godly wisdom. How? In the meekness of wisdom. Are you humble? Are you humble? See, I think these guys are struggling with pride. 
Remember, we, 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 we saw earlier where the rich come in and they treat the rich one way and the poor another way, right? Remember all that in James? Here James is saying, listen, if you truly are wise, then you will have humbleness. You will demonstrate that you are wise by what? The meekness of wisdom. In other words, true godly wisdom in a man or a woman, one of the ways it's demonstrated is you are humble. You are humble. You're not prideful. Because you recognize that all that you know, you really don't know in and of your own power. It's because of God. So he says, if you think you are wise, but you don't have humility, you're not wise. You're not wise at all. If you're not humble, but you think you're wise, you're not. Why? Because godly wisdom is characterized in humility. He goes on, look what he says. Look at the contrast. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Wow. And I think this is one of the issues that we're going on in this church. Here are these godly men, these religious teachers. By the way, remember he said, be ye not many teachers, because unto you come the greatest judgment. Here they are, posturing for position, thinking that they're wise, but yet there's jealousy and selfish ambition among them. He's like, you're not wise. You're not godly. You're not demonstrating the humility of Christ. And this is one of the things, guys, again, and some of you may have had this experience, when you meet people in leadership that are quote-unquote men of the cloth, women of the cloth, and they're so prideful. And it's almost like there's this air about them that they are better than you. Wow. James will look at that and say, that ain't of God. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in a minute, he's going to say, you know where that attitude comes from? The very pit of hell. Wow. You imagine walking up to a pastor and saying, you know, what you're demonstrating right now has his root in hell. He wouldn't know what to do with that, right? James doesn't have a problem saying that. Pride. Look what he says. Jealousy. Selfish ambition. And notice, bitter jealousy. Why would these believers have bitter jealousy among them if they're true believers? What's going on here? Why would you have to tell a spiritual leader not to be bitter? What? Bitter jealousy. And here, 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 here's the problem. Look. Selfish ambition. James says, if you have these things in your hearts... Stop boasting that you're wise. You're not. You don't have any understanding. And as a matter of fact, you're false to the truth. You're not representing the gospel at all. Selfish ambition. You know, one of the hard things that you have to guard against, and you who are in leadership know this, when you are in leadership, one of the hardest things to do is to keep the humility. Because once you're in leadership, you have people following you, right? If you're in a leadership position, there's probably a certain degree of power that you have. 
So now you're in a position where people are following you, people are listening to you, and you have power. You say things and things happen in their life. Nothing wrong with all of that. If it's done in godly wisdom. But can you see the danger? If you remove God and it becomes about your flesh and yourself, this is what James is about to hit next. That when you don't have God's wisdom, you lose the humility, and now it becomes about you. And now here you are, without God's wisdom, in a position of power, leadership, able to influence people without God's wisdom. That's a perfect storm for disaster. And James is rebuking, admonishing, warning these leaders, this ought not to be you. Notice again what he says in 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. In other words, this is not of God. Having selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, this is not of God but is earthly. In other words, humanly. In other words, this is just what you want. You're not being led by God's Spirit. This is just you. This is all about you now. Look at the other characteristic, how he describes this wisdom that, that, that is not of God. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. You're just going to do what you think is right. You're going to do what benefits you. It's earthly, it's about the flesh, it's about you. There's no spirituality here at all. And then here's the kicker. Demonic. Remember, James is writing to believers. But even believers, even those who truly love the Lord Jesus Christ, can get caught in this trap of thinking we're spiritual, but yet we've moved into the earthly realm, our own wisdom, what we think is right, and all of that mindset, he says, is what? Demonic. Wow. That's sobering, guys. That's sobering. He goes on and he says, in verse 16, by way of explanation, listen, for where jealousy, he says it again, and selfish ambition. Two times he says it in this passage. This is the root of the problem. They've taken their focus off of Christ. It's no longer about Christ and the gospel. It's about them. It's about their career. It's about their uh, feeling uh, a sense of pride. And, and, and God is nowhere in this anymore. That whole mindset, that's the mind. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, look what else will come with it. Because now the wisdom of God is no longer a part of it. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Wow. You remove God's wisdom out of your life and this is where you're going to go. You can't help but to go there. You're going to just go down this slippery slide and I'm just going to follow what I want to do, what I think is right. I'm not going to exercise my life by the wisdom of God. God, I don't need you. This is my life. You know, what's it saying? I hear people say, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do me. 
you're going to do you. Let me just get out of the way because I know where that's going to end up. You see, guys, there is this challenge, this war that we're constantly struggling with. It's for you to live your life based on what you think is right, your wisdom, or to humbly bow the knee to God, the creator, the one who is of all wisdom and say, God, I want my life to conform to what you say. It's two ways to choose, guys. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. And here James is, is, is contrasting wisdom apart from God, which has its root in demonic, versus wisdom that you get from his word that is, he's going to describe it here now, that is pure, that is good, that is beneficial. Every time I counsel somebody, you know, counseling is real simple in this regard. When somebody comes in and their life is a wreck, here's what I look for. Where are they, or where have they been using their wisdom to deal with the situation, or where have they been using God's wisdom? It's, that's how I divide it in my mind. And it's interesting when they use their wisdom, there's all kinds of, 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 of messes that they've made in their life. And then when I present God's way, well, no, I can't do that. I can't do it. Okay, all right. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Here's your shovel back. Go out and keep digging the hole bigger. See, listen. Think about this. Proverbs says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise in your life, guys? It starts with the fear of the Lord. This isn't this cowarding, hiding under the table. This is an, this sense of, of reverence for God. God, I bow the knee to you. You are a holy God. I bow to you. The fear of the Lord, that humility, is the beginning of wisdom. But then as you read through the book of Proverbs, you have wisdom personified, constantly crying out. Crying out in the streets, come listen to me, come listen to me, come listen to me. Read Proverbs 1, 2, and 3 this week. You got some time. You ain't going anywhere. Read Proverbs. Listen to how wisdom is crying out, begging that we listen to her. Wisdom is personified as a person saying, come listen to me and I will tell you the way to go. Then as you read through the first couple of chapters of Proverbs, you're going to see wisdom in the marketplace, screaming for people to listen to her, and nobody's listening. They're walking past. She's in the highways, in the byways, on the rooftops, screaming at people, listen to me, listen to me. People are, well, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. This is my life. I'm the captain of my own ship. And then it's interesting that wisdom that's being personified in the book of Proverbs says this. When destruction comes in your life, I will laugh at you. You've ignored me. I'm going to step out of the way and let you get all that comes with your wisdom. Destruction. I will laugh at your calamity. Wow. Think about that. See, it's not an issue that, wow, wisdom's going to laugh at me when my life gets destroyed. No, I don't believe that. What the, that, that that's what the proverb is saying. I believe that the proverb is saying this. Wisdom is going to laugh at the fact that you thought you knew more than her. <laughs> you really thought you knew more than God. That's what's laughable. 
Who are you following today? Your wisdom? God's wisdom. What you got? I got a degree from the seminary. That's nice. Let me see what God got. Oh, he got the whole world in the palm of his hand. The cattle on a thousand hill flung the stars and the planets and the galaxies created you. Your wisdom? God's wisdom. I'm going to go with God. Let's keep going. Look at verse 16 again, right? So for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. It's only by the wisdom of God in living his way that my life can be lived in holiness and in pleasing to him. I remove the wisdom of God out of my life. I remove God's word out of my life. I will go right back to stinking thinking. I will go right back to just living for my own selfish ambition. Look at 17. Now he gives a contrast. But the wisdom from above, that's God's wisdom, that's rooted in God's word, is first pure. There's nothing wrong with it. It is pure. It is exactly what you need. It's not tainted. Then it's peaceable. It's gentle. Open to reason. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You see all these adjectives? What does he say? Now remember the context. These teachers, no doubt, are vying, thinking that they're wise and that they're understanding. But as he just said, no, but if your works don't demonstrate it, you're not like that. Because if you were really using the wisdom of God, your speech, the way you're talking, the way you are interacting with these people in the church, your wisdom would be what? Pure. Peaceable, gentle. You wouldn't be all smug. You wouldn't be talking down on people. You would be open to reason. You wouldn't be digging in saying, I'm right, you're wrong because I'm a rabbi. No, no, no. You would have this gentleness about you if you were really demonstrating God's wisdom. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I know I might have been a little sharp with that person, but this is just the way God made me. I'm speaking my mind. No, no, no. That's a lie. Because if your wisdom, if your speech, if the way you interact with people, you're not showing gentleness and humility and, and, and you're not open to reason. If, if, if you're not someone that can be talked to without that person feeling belittled. If, if, if you're not doing that, that, that has nothing to do with your personality. That's you not yielding to God's wisdom, but yielding to your own selfish ambition, which, by the way, is rooted in the demonic. This is what James is saying. There's a contrast between God's wisdom and how it affects my speech and how it affects how I interact with people. This wisdom from above. If I'm yielding to God, I'm going to be full of mercy. I'm going to be impartial. I'm going to be sincere. Listen, when, when, when I hear stories of people in counseling, they talk about pastors who don't have these characteristics at all. Oh, no, my, you can't even talk to my pastor. He'll just cut you off. He'll, he'll just talk down on you. It's like that's, that's demonic. That ain't wisdom from God. Look at these characteristics. The wisdom from God, mercy, pure, peaceable, gentle, impartial, sincere. And look at what he says in 18. And a harvest of righteousness 
Think about crops, right? This big, big harvest of all this fruit, except the fruit here is righteousness, doing right, doing behavior, obedience that pleases his God. You, you will have this big harvest is sown in peace by those who make peace. What is he saying? As I allow God's wisdom to rule my life, which if it's ruling my life, guess what? Ultimately, it's going to rule my heart, which guess what? Ultimately, that's going to rule my tongue and how I speak. If I'm allowing that to happen, I'm going to harvest righteousness. In other words, my life is going to demonstrate good works. Those good works, that's obedience to God. I'm going to look like Christ. How am I going to do that? Because it's sown in peace. Do you, do you see the metaphor here? It's like you go out and you throw seeds and then you grow the, the, the crops, right? Well, here you go out and you throw peace. <laughs> the peace that comes from the peace that I have with God. And so the love, the humility I have, I, 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 I give it out to others, this peace. And guess what grows up? A harvest of righteousness. It's a beautiful picture. So let me ask you a question. What's your life harvesting? What's your life harvesting? What have you been so what kind of seeds have you been sowing? And self-ambition? Bitter jealousy? Angry? Digging your feet in because you've been wronged? What kind of stuff are you sowing in your life? Are you living your life in such a way that when somebody sees you, you who claim to know Christ, they say there's a man, there's a woman who actually looks like Christ. There's a man, there's a woman who has understanding and who is wise because I look at the characteristics of their life. They are gentle. They are kind. They are easy to commune with and talk with. There's something about them. That's the wisdom of God. Or do they see someone who's arrogant, self-driven, all about what you want? Folks, this is a, this is a not only instruction from James, but this is, a, this is a rebuke. God's people are not to be this way. Our lives ought to demonstrate the reality of what God has done through Jesus Christ. If I truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I understand the grace and what happened on Calvary's cross, and what happened at that resurrection, that now I've been fully justified, fully sins forgiven, through a faith in Christ that I don't deserve. Like, if you really understand that, what right do I have to exhibit wisdom other than the wisdom of God towards other people? What right do I have to, to come at you with what I want? To judge you? To be partial? All those things that James says ought not to be. See, I think the problem is this with us as believers. We lose sight of what Christ did on the cross. We lose sight of what he did on the cross. Yeah, we might have made a profession of faith years ago and we're walking with it, but, but we lose sight of it. And all of a sudden, we stop living this way, in light of his wisdom, we start living for ourselves. What kind of wisdom are you exhibiting 
to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends? How are you handling going through all that's going on right now with this virus and all the inconveniences you might be? How are you handling it? With the wisdom of God? Or just through your own wisdom? God, I pray that these truths would pierce our hearts. Help us to evaluate ourselves. God, we ought to look like Christ. Not just because we say we know you. But God, our lives ought to have good works. Obedience to what you have called us to do. People ought to see Christ in us. By the way we live. By the way we handle conflict. Difficulties. Even by the way we handle success. God, people ought to see God, your wisdom, being lived out through us. Father, help us to confess those things we need to confess to you, to put things out of our lives that are hindering us from looking like Christ. We want our wisdom to be pure. We want our lives, Father, to represent the Lord Jesus Christ well. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for the change that you're doing through your word in all of us. We pray that you might give us wisdom now to walk in these truths. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, folks, for joining. And uh, by God's grace, we'll be here next Sunday, same time, uh, streaming uh, another uh, sermon for you. So praise God. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to the AFC Podcast. If you would like to join us in our service, we meet at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, PA, in what is called the Daybreak Room, located in the Dubs Memorial Community Center. Services start at 1 o'clock. We would love to have you come visit. Until next week, God bless and apply His Word.